0: How happy is the blameless vessel's lot? The world forgetting by the world forgot. Eternal sunshine of a spotless
1: mind. Each prayer accepted, and each wish resigned. Is there any risk of brain damage? Well, uh, technically speaking, the procedure is brain damage, but it's, it's on a par with a night of heavy drinking. Nothing you'll miss.
0: It's time for a little something i forget and my notes say i'm professor robert eg black and i'm here with austin Pryor from malkovich malkovich minute minute and it's time to discuss eternal sunshine of the spotless mind but they're erasing me i have no memory of any of this and i've heard you don't have any notes so this is gonna be fun
1: <laughs> um yeah we'll go from we'll go from your notes and uh oh yeah you can open my, my notes
0: if you want <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah and my familiarity with this movie should uh see me through.
0: Yeah. Um, We are in minute 27 of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Joel has just arrived at Lacuna for the first time. Mary gave him a form to fill out at the end of the previous minute, even though he's just there to have a conversation with Dr. Mirzbeak. And she's in the middle of telling him that.
1: I'd like to have a conversation about erasing memories with Dr. Mirzbeak.
0: Yeah, well, Joel would. And Joel, as he walks away, is like, really? She's like, thank you. And she goes back to labeling envelopes and Joel goes to sit down. He says, great. And he stops, says, I don't have a pen. She says, there's a pen right there. And there's a pen attached to the top of the clipboard. Of course, off screen, Mary's already answering another phone call. Good morning, Lacuna. And Joel sits down. He sits on the couch. There's another guy there who's still filling out a form, but that guy looks very comfortable. Mm. He's leaning back. Joel sits. Like on the front of it, leaning. It is not a good Perched. way to. Yeah, no, he's not comfortable. Yeah,
1: yeah. The guy there gonna get something re- er- erased, and he's happy with it. He's mm-hmm. made peace with it, and he knows what he's there for. Right. And Joel, not only is this just his personality anyway, and he's just kind of a an awkward, nervous soul, but also, yeah, he's he's just dying to know what the hell this note means, and it's like. Both the character and the context are perfect for this perch
0: here. Meanwhile, the context, the office, is playing into that like mundane nature of it. Yeah, because it's just a doctor's office. Mary in the background is like, "Oh yeah, that offer, that's done now. That expired after the new year. Hmm. Like they had some discount going on."
1: Okay, so um, the discount. Do you now accept no, that actually, they do charge for this say service? She said
0: it's a discount. I, I, I mis- uh,
1: <laughs> She said it's an offer. She the said offer, an offer
0: was that they would erase. Maybe two people from you in one go.
1: I uh, get out of <laughs> town. They you charge. want to erase your whole family? They're we'll a, do it. <laughs> they're a business. They charge.
0: It was in the fall. Yeah. This is in the US. So this is like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now you're sick of your family. You want all of them gone? We'll do it. <laughs> Usually they focus on one memory. It's one night. This one's going to take a little longer. It probably takes a stronger drug. And they're there for like a whole day.
1: So you're sticking to your theory. I'm that sticking they to it. It doesn't, it service.
0: can't cost money.
1: No, it that's not. I would argue that just because something presents a difficulty doesn't mean it can't be done. They, they're like when Did you say, get sponsors. <laughs> well, like you could just have. I'd say just this is you know, the, you could have like an arrangement where it's paid for in advance or it's paid for in installments, and if the person looks it up, there is like. Okay. It co- it does come down to the fact that people should know they're a something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they would have to hack your bank account and charge you like $10 a month retroactively. For no, like you could
1: consent beforehand. You could consent beforehand.
0: No, but if you look at your bank statement and see a bunch of yes. some weird charge from some company, you're going to look up what it is. You yeah. You have to know what but, charged you money. No, sure. So but, they'd have to hide it in tiny payments. Um, you're already no, done. I, they
1: wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily have to hide it they just would it would just it would create that difficulty for them and they will have to have a system to deal with that difficulty but i would say it would be a legal apparatus that would just be like look here's the paper you signed here's the thing erasing memories exist that is one of the services provided by this We have to
0: get a lawyer on this show.
1: We're not going to Yeah, get a lawyer. If you don't remember, remember signing
0: it, a consent form does it count?
1: Yeah, well i to cover themselves legally and to, you know, expand reliably as a business. Oh, they do an they audio definitely... recording of them
0: saying their consent. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the recording.
1: But it was recorded under duress and is not used for the customer. It's not usually accessible to the, to the customer. But yeah, like it is a hole in their plan, but I would not go as far as to say they don't charge. Cause there's none of this, it, it's, this, it's this one of the questions makes...
0: on the form is how much attention do you pay it to your bank statement? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just asking for a friend.
1: Oh man. If they were doing this to me, I would never catch it. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I was just like, Oh, some payment, some service. Oh, what was that? Oh, I'll look into it and I don't.
0: I'll just hook it to my PayPal and I won't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause all of my online things go through there because it's easier.
1: Yeah but yeah this was before i mean i'm sure paypal existed in some form but not, not integrated into our lives as much back no.
0: then they don't even have cell phones
1: no yeah this is like one of those things that like the us versus europe is is like in general us is like kind of ahead of us in technology but there are some weird surprises about uh, that go the opposite way you know huh. and there's also this kind of lag between the adoption of a new technology and screenwriters integrating that technology into movies. And I think huh. that mobile phones in particular took a while because they create problems for screenwriters where, oh, now I have to think about why they weren't able to just call and sort this out yeah. or whatever, you know? Because when this movie came out in 04 or 05? It was 05, wasn't it? Oh uh, four. Okay. So in Ireland, everybody had mobiles at that point. Huh. And... I think in the U.S. it wasn't quite like that. People were still using their landlines more. And I think it's because landlines were so crazy cheap and had been kind of just really even more kind of deeply integrated into the culture than they had in Europe. So like we would always just see Americans, with like watching movies, it's like, do they have like different phone lines in every room? Mm -hmm. Do they have like, you know, it's like (laughs) multiple phones, multiple phone numbers in a house hands-free and kind of portable phones before we did you know and even just the long long cords where you could walk around the kitchen doing stuff we just be watching this on america and we eventually got a long cord on our home phone in the kitchen and it felt very american you know (laughs) and i always think of marie in breaking bad when she's like walking around the kitchen because she's got this fancy ass phone that has like (laughs) a, a microphone array so that it can filter out background noises and follow you around the kitchen and all that so, I think just because landline phones were so cheap for local calls in the States or free, even they just seem to be so kind of ingrained in the culture that there was a much longer resistance against mm-hmm. mobiles. It just everybody just got mobiles, you know, people still had landlines and stuff. like my parents have them, but like I don't. I was like, why would I have a landline? Right. And just other things that like when I went to the States as a teenager, I was just like, they don't have widescreen TVs yet, you know, like our, our TVs all <laughs> went to widescreen. Before we went to HD, huh. which caused us awful problems with aspect ratios that, that would obsess <laughs> a, a guy like me and a few other people. Yeah, so it's just this weird thing about technology, the way, you know, like, obviously, you know, it's the US, they're the big global superpower and way ahead of us on all these things, but like... Yeah, like Americans had kind of like would uh, talk to Americans and kind of say like I'll oh, just text her, you know? Yeah. Text what? It was like the you know Americans had never heard of text messages because it existed on the phones, but it just wasn't kind of promoted by the carriers or whatever. So it's just like something.
0: Well, and you paid per text. Yeah, and you, when she did have a cell phone.
1: Yeah, 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 and like we just just didn't you know we just took to texts more quickly than the U.S. for whatever kind of cultural reasons, you know yeah so when this movie came out there was no mention of mobiles but in ireland we were all to see this movie i had to turn off my mobile you know
0: (laughs) yeah so uh we go from him perched on the edge of the seat filling out his form to mary coming out of the side of her office next to some files says mr barish and she waits he comes in a frame and she leads him down the hallway she's being nice how are we today Not too good, actually. And they get to the corner. She didn't
1: actually want to know how you are. She just wanted to stay. She's just being nice. (laughs) But he,
0: of course, answers. And then Stan... Proving, I think we said a couple episodes ago that he was the professional one of the group. Yeah, but he's the one who jumps out and scares her in the hallway.
1: <laughs> mm. Even professionals can be tripped up by love. Yeah, he's just trying to be flirty, doing the boo.
0: If she had been walking back the hallway by herself, it might have been funny.
1: Yeah, but yeah, she, she was, was. She like, was just trying to be person. professional, and she got yeah, yeah. It was just, but it, I mean, that's such good. It's so perfect. The awkwardness of that uh-huh. is just a perfect kind of expression of the... It just kind of establishes these characters as that bit younger, shows that he's kind of more interested in her and just perfectly captures that horrible awkwardness of Playing a small prank, taking a small social risk, and having it thrown back in your face.
0: Yeah, to which he has to say sorry, <laughs> sorry four sorry, times.
1: Sorry, 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 and just make himself sorry. Small. Sorry, I was just sorry. sorry. And he's still walking just, I'm off. Working. Yeah, he's still walking uh-huh. off, saying sorry when nobody else is. When when you know the other two are just gone. It's great. Is that in the script? The jumping out and saying boo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I did strike me as a kind of a, a, a Charlie Kaufman. Feeling thing, the awkwardness, the aftermath of it felt very Kaufman. Yeah.
0: Some of these scenes at this part of the story are hard to find in the script sometimes because they moved some stuff early that was going to be later. Yeah. And this gets mixed together with as soon as he hears Mary's name, he's hearing Stan from later saying, Mary's coming over tonight. Ah, yes. And it's like this weird mix of scenes that the movie doesn't quite go into just yet. Mm -hmm. We get a little overlap of dialogue, but that's all. Yeah. Nothing like that. And then we go to Mary's back's office, and Mary goes in. She gets really close to him, hand on his shoulder, leans in to put a file in front of him. He already is holding the notification card that Joel brought, so I don't I guess she's not handing him Joel's information,
1: yeah, well, i I would think that because of the sensitivity of this issue, Mary probably came in with that card earlier
0: yeah when Joel was filling out the form
1: yeah and then like just is now just handing him the form because like yeah and looking at the order of events uh it's kind of hard to see when he would have oh does he does he walk sorry did we in the last minute does he say i, I received this i got this or something
0: he doesn't say it
1: but he was holding he it. was holding it okay yeah yeah so he was holding it when he was at the front desk yeah, yeah
0: so probably she got it from him took it to mirzwiak and then mm-hmm. once mirzwiak was ready she yeah. came back out she's like here doctor and she lingers mm-hmm. stays standing there because she likes this stuff and this guy yeah and she's
1: that. not only you know in love with Mirzweak, but she kind of is a super fan of him and loves thinking about the thing and wants to talk yep. to the customers more and kind of wants to be just involved more and stuff and she's like mm-hmm. answering the question along with uh dr mir's react you know like it, when, when joel says it's got to be a prank and she's like no no it isn't it isn't she's like "We're <laughs> repeating it really like i don't know just kind of like almost like a child's Joining in the conversation, you know, just like uh-huh. no, no, it isn't like yeah. She it, knows what's what. Real. She's yeah. gonna say it, and she she likes being, there. She, likes being there. she likes being there. She wants to be involved,
0: which is really really makes uh, the end of the movie a bit sadder, actually. Oh yeah, because she's not just she won't be able to work there anymore. She won't be able to do this, and she liked it. She
1: liked it, but I mean, she became totally disillusioned with it, so she wouldn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. But it's like the kind of romantic rejection. And the disillusionment and the crumbling of her worldview all came at once because they were tied together Yeah, with just good drama. And it and that's why, yeah, she wouldn't want to come back to this job anyway. Yeah. But it does mean that she's got a hole to fill now.
0: She could find something good to do if she wants to really, she could go back to school, become a therapist or something. She, she could help people in a different way. Yeah.
1: And if this movie was more concerned with the sci-fi aspect than this technology kind of wouldn't exist in isolation. It would be that there would be a whole raft of neurological treatments based on whatever key technological discoveries and breakthroughs. Yeah.
0: Once all that information gets sent back out.
1: Yeah. That there would be other forms of of therapy using this same kind of technology that didn't involve destroying cognitive memory, but maybe just involve treating conditions or restructuring the brain to treat neurological disorders or whatever.
0: Use it like you do hypnotherapy kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Go into your memory and deal with it. Yeah.
1: Like, you know, if you can break down cognitive memories and emotional cores of memories All you're doing is like systematically targeting neurons and breaking them down, targeting synaptic connections and breaking them down. And that would have all sorts of other applications. And again, this movie doesn't care about that. And I'm glad it doesn't. But if we were to kind of read reality into it, there'd be lots of ways that she could kind of still scratch the itch of being fascinated by all this stuff. And
0: And then they could charge money for it. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Solve for (laughs) (laughs) capitalism.
1: They charge money for this yeah
0: <laughs> Mirs nice man he's like thank you for the card and he's like you should not have seen this I apologize mm-hmm. and camera goes over to Joel he leans forward over the desk he's like this is a hoax right I mean this is Clem mirswiac cuts in I assure you no this one Mary's like no yeah and mirswiak and Joel both turn to look mm-hmm. at her <laughs> and she's like Mm-mm.
1: Mm-mm. yeah
0: <laughs> she keeps answering I'm part
1: of this yeah
0: yeah she's like oh uh, yeah I'm in And then now finally she does leave after looking toward Mirzbiak one more time. But then we watch as she's walking away. Not only does Mirzbiak watch her leave, she stops before actually exiting the room and looks back and smiles. Yeah. So they got a whole flirty thing going on again. And Mirzbiak is in trouble. Mm -hmm. He's going to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She walks out of the room. Backwards in order to face him. She is still technically mm-hmm. still moving. Yeah, she turns around with the yeah, door. Yeah, and she's kind of futzing with the door. And it's just like, yeah, it's a completely improbable way to exit a room unless you were in love with the right.
0: occupant. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then uh Joel leans forward again. He's like, Mm-mm, there's no such thing as this. <laughs> yeah,
1: which he's, he's insistent. Which just immediately has to i have to connect it to malkovich you know there's no such thing as a portal that leads you inside somebody (laughs) else's mind it's like yes there is okay i want to try it in other words the script is just like we are going to tick the box that says we acknowledge that if this happened nobody would believe it come along with us audience this person is going (laughs) to say i don't believe it We're not going to have them remain in disbelief for a realistic amount of time because that would be boring. Right. Let's just get it over with and move on. And it's exactly the same thing he did. He had a wild and crazy premise in each movie and in each movie, he wanted to get on with what that says about people and emotions and memories and exploring themes and none of what it says about the rules of a science fiction world. Right. He,
0: he plays the conversation just enough so that we understand they talked about it. Yeah. Like we cut to next minute we go with Joel talking to Carrie and Rob yeah. about this. And then he comes right back to Lacuna. Mm-hmm. That's all we need to know is, yes, he did contemplate it and then he went and did it don't worry audience doing
1: it he said the thing yeah yeah
0: because otherwise he's going to spend the whole movie trying to figure out how do i prove this works before i go in for the procedure yeah yeah i need to have you erase a single thing yeah (laughs) yeah that i know happened and that there's evidence of yeah so i can test it
1: Mm. Uh, yeah or at least look it up and read the like research papers or whatever that led to it yeah it's not (laughs) like it's
0: yeah up mirrors reacts publication either
1: way not exactly gripping cinema
0: Well. With the right director. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I would watch it. You would. The rest watch. of the film it's... was just Joel but and looking at We would be on this podcast.
0: So yeah. Scientific know. publications. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The minute ends with uh, Mirzweyk starting to explain. He says, "Look, our files, he's gonna say, are confidential, and then he's gonna explain to him, Mr. Krasinski was not happy. Mm. But we'll get to that next minute.
1: If you discovered that a significant other had erased you." Do you think that you would want to erase them back?
0: No. Yeah.
1: I don't think so either.
0: Especially not in the stage where Joel is right now. He is still like in heartbreak and pain.
1: Yeah. He's in fact in that position of not really knowing where he stands and not having had the closure. Yeah. You know, and just be like not. It's like, I don't even know what's going on. She won't talk to me. So it's like, obviously he knows she's moved on and she's not interested, but she's also acting very out of character. Mm -hmm. She didn't just have a big blow up fight with me and go. She just stopped and is suddenly talking to this guy, this really young guy.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because it also paints Lacuna in a negative. If you can't already paint him in a negative light, this (laughs) would. Yeah. Is it? they don't erase Joel's memory necessarily for his good yes he's not in a position right now to decide that yeah they're doing it to protect them because he found out
1: yes that is a very good uh, yeah yeah. and they they kind of fast track the service because of that don't they Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, he
0: comes back and demands and they're like okay yeah yeah under these special circumstances circumstances,
1: exactly yeah yeah
0: which also is nice of them but it's nice of them because it protects them
1: covers their asses yeah Which does Uh again lead us to the question of well, do they have FDA approval
0: or you know, if no one can remember what they do, yeah, (laughs) and it doesn't cost anyone any money, it does, then then they could just (laughs) abduct random people and erase their memories at any time
1: for what? Why would they do it if it doesn't make them any money to
0: manipulate the world?
1: Oh. It's run. It's the same by as the same, same corporation that made
0: Westworld. Yeah, is it their early right? Westworld is where they get all the they're recording everyone's brains and then they're going to stick them in these people they erase. But also, like they're oh, not going to have robots. They're going to have programmed
1: humans. Programmed humans. Also, they're like every time they put this thing, they like deleting your memories is just. A way to kind of get you into the chair yep. because what they're actually doing is absorbing all of your memories and they're taking modeling your, your entire mm-hmm. brain because that's the data they feed into their, you know, replicant factory because it's Blade Runner as well. It's well, Tyrell, and it's Dark city and where they World just inject the memories city, in in the morning. Stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if they feel like it, they can make an entire town think they're in a time loop or, well, one guy think he's in a time loop by erasing everyone else's memories every day.
1: <sighs> oh. Beautiful and resetting the weather and all of the people. They just hope positions. he doesn't notice the weather.
0: Yeah, or she's a weatherman. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is it summer now? What is happening? So, know like, it's a time loop. We swear. So is that why we're all here?
1: We're here as guests on your existential trilogy, so that we'll eventually happen upon. Developing all of the ideas to create the connective tissues. Oh yeah, the, tissues Zoom the, is
0: recording your brain waves. Right, right.
1: right. But, but but we're also just creating all of the connective tissue among these three films to make them part of a shared cinematic universe for your yep.
0: pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. I just have to write some androids into my time loop story, and it'll be Great.
1: perfect. Uh, the whole thing is about screenwriting. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, the question I asked was like. Would you want to erase somebody if they had erased you? And I kind of think, yeah, I think like I I would answer the same that no, I wouldn't. But I still kind of feel that it rings true with the feeling of rejection because, you know, that awful feeling of you're not only hurt by the rejection, but you're so jealous by how seemingly easily the other person has moved on. you know and a lot of movies deal with that and and songs kind of dwell on that and it's like yeah just to like it always looks so easy and of course it's probably not i mean i'm sure it is for some people who were like less invested in the relationship but it's like yeah watching somebody kind of thrive and go on without you and so this is like the ultimate version of that it's like it's like watching somebody like Literally, not even remember you because right. that's how little and now they, they need you. don't have
0: room for you in their brain. Anymore. Yeah,
1: and and just watching somebody not need you in such a kind of profound way, and I can very much see the kind of leaning into your worst instincts and leaning into your kind of most petty, protecting your heart kind of feelings of saying, "Well, if she doesn't need me. I don't need her. I'll show her. I'll delete her." And of course, the the kind of extra the extra pathetic layer of doing it second is that you can't hurt her the way she hurt you.
0: Right. Because she, doesn't,
1: she doesn't remember. So she can't find a note that says you deleted her. She can't sit there going, well, why is Joel not talking to me? Cause she doesn't know who the fuck Joel is. So like, you know, th- that's what makes his gesture all the more pathetic, but people rejected in love make pathetic gestures all the time. So it's perfect for the story. You know what I mean? True. True.
0: It's interesting now, because last week I talked a lot about the character of Naomi, who we barely hear about in the movie. Yeah. They filmed scenes with her. Oh, really? She's a bigger part of the script. I knew her voice yeah, was on the she phone. She was played by movie, but- um, Ellen Papeo, who's in Grey's Anatomy. Okay. And it changes the dynamic as well of what Joel is going through right now. Because essentially, they have that night where he calls Clem a wino. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time he sees Clem. He thinks she cheated on him that night some point in the next few days is this stuff we've seen in the last few scenes with him and Robin Carey talking about her, him going to the bookstore to try to talk to her. Yeah. She had her memories erased. The night before he gets erased, assuming he can remember it accurately. Yeah. He went and had a one night stand with Naomi. Wow. That's how the movie starts is him talking about that. Yeah. The script starts that way. In the movie, all he's saying is maybe I should get back together with Naomi. And also in the script, before he calls Clem, when he gets back to his apartment after their second meet you, you know, them hanging out. Yes. He calls Naomi first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. And they cut that. Yeah. Which is a good cut.
0: Yeah. Because it really complicates whatever he's going through right now is, is he that heartbroken if he's doing the vengeful, I'm going to have, go have sex with my ex. And yeah. Or is that more of the sad part of it? And it's, it gives you way too much to think about in the reality where we shouldn't be spending that much time in the reality
1: yeah and it's too it's too early in the movie to be adding kind of so much complexity if you're doing it as like a long-running tv series you add wrinkles like that for the drama and to flesh out the characters and to say well like we're not portraying anybody as like morally straightforward or simple and stuff like that so like that makes sense and you just
0: yeah you can have a whole episode where he gets back together with naomi for a night yeah and then realizes that doesn't work
1: yes that can have its own arc Next episode but if you're doing a feature film where at this point we really want to have joel be our point of view character because he's the one who's surprised so that he's like standing in the audience he's discovering about erasure at the same rate that we are and that's the like informational kind of technical part of it and then just emotionally we're going on this journey with him and we see this you know awful hurtful scene of Clem just blanking him and turning around to talk to Patrick exactly yeah so that would really just put such wrinkles on that you know and it would be it just wouldn't be as sympathetic
0: i mean already we're half an hour in before reality is really gonna separate from what we're watching yes yeah and so we didn't need more no, in that reality much. we yeah. needed to get to this part because mm-hmm. that's the point of the movie is what happens in this part mm-hmm.
1: also like if a guy has that many options it's hard to feel too heartbroken for how heartbroken he is you know what i mean well yeah it's like if if you're watching this movie and you've just been dumped by your significant other and then you're trying to connect with this protagonist and he's like well he's got he's got two girlfriends and he's like yeah that's not yeah that's, he's got that ex. yeah to like, together, yeah whatever you he got options nobody I don't do. care
0: yeah <laughs> that's a problem yeah yeah i think Naomi scenes are interesting, but I'm glad they are cut because mm-hmm. there's also like, they have a conversation before he goes to the beach that mm. is when he meets Clem. Mm-hmm. He still lives with Naomi. Yeah. That's acknowledged briefly in dialogue. It is. Yeah. But it's good that we do not see it. Yes. Yeah. Because we need to understand that that was something that could be ended and was kind of done already. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise that's even more problematic. Absolutely. This movie's already got some problems. So. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. Let me rephrase the situation within the movie has problems. I don't think the movie has problems.
1: Yeah, maybe the age difference is a bit of an issue. It's not a showstopper, but you know they're both adults and everything, but it's just like, yeah, it's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of me for a minute 27. You don't want to have another rant
0: about AI? <laughs> the thing you got to understand. You know, so the thing about the director's cut of Blade Runner. Yeah, is...
1: yeah. <laughs> no, the final cut, that's the real one.
0: I don't even remember which is the cut I like the most. I have the box set that has like five. And I'm like, I don't know, one of them.
1: What I tell people to watch as the one, if, you, if you've if never seen it before, I generally say, for most films, I would generally say, original theatrical is always the way to go. Hmm. For Blade Runner, I say, if you just want to watch it as a movie and worry about the versions and stuff later, I, I actually recommend the final cut usually. Because the theatrical cut in the case of Blade Runner is pretty rough going because you got the bad voiceover and stuff
0: it's very robotic that voiceover yes
1: uh, <laughs> but to my mind there's no one i don't like they're all they're, like there's, there's a very clear answer to me about what the perfect cut of that movie would be and it would be the final cut but without the heavy-handed without that stupid unicorn dream and the heavy-handed too bad she'll never live you know the the way it basically says he's a replicant at the end yeah i think that's dumb but then even with that you're still left with this kind of weird rapey scene between the two of them this really toxic masculinity toxic sexuality kind of thing that i don't think
0: it's how he's programmed
1: yeah there you go (laughs) i don't think that scene does what ridley scott or anybody else thinks it's meant to do it's just Even before I was like a super woke lefty asshole, (laughs) I was always really uncomfortable with that. And I would just be kind of jumping through hoops in my mind about like trying to justify it and say, well, what, what's he trying to say here? And it's almost like Deckard is trying to confront Rachel with her own desire is like, is like the most charitable reading of it, but he still has no right to do that. And there's a way of doing that and there's even a manly kind of, you know, slightly macho way of doing it where it's just like where, where you like take a stand and say, no, I, I demand that you face up to this.
0: That's part of why I kind of like the theatrical cut. I just wish we had a different recording of the voiceover because the voiceover has like no energy to it. Yeah. And I'd like that it plays as this film noir. Yeah. A film noir kind of feeling to it would make that scene. It wouldn't be good, mm-hmm. but you'd understand what it's doing because that is a common way of playing the male-female relationship. It's very
1: noir. And the noir aspects of Blade Runner don't... Like, they're there, and obviously... Film analysis and film criticism has pointed them out for so many years that anybody who knows anything about film will know them. But they're not really on the surface maybe the first time you watch it because you're just in the science fiction setting. And if you don't have the voiceover as well. And the other big thing is that Harrison Ford just didn't want to become the actor who wears a hat because he had just done Indiana Jones. (laughs) And that's why he doesn't wear the fedora. Harrison Ford said no and I'm glad he didn't because it's it's much more timeless now. Yeah. But it doesn't hit the genre of noir as hard as it was originally planned to. But then on the flip side the voiceover wasn't originally planned as far as I know. It was it was right. forced on was them added. by the studio and that's why it's recorded with such I walked downtown. I had to see the guy, at the ball, the language they spoke was blah, blah, <laughs> blah. So just kill me. Yeah.
0: I think the content of the voiceover is okay. I it's think okay. Its yeah. It's delivery. But it's just does delivery not work.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And like, Blade Runner is just kind of this triumph of the craft of filmmaking. Yeah. And I actually think that viewed through that lens, it's just stunning and it's made this huge contribution. But viewed through the lens of like the art of storytelling, I'm not sure it really holds up.
0: Well, right. If you can make tiny little changes and it feels like a different story, maybe your backbone wasn't strong enough. Yeah. Or
1: something. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it ends up kind of losing its way narratively. And I think the whole replicant idea just is it just muddies the water so much and um it's, it's kind of appropriate that there's no one perfect version of it because yeah. it's just kind of an imperfect film and it will always the, the, the version of Blade Runner that each one of us carries in our head is kind of better than any version of the movie
0: right because we remember the parts we like
1: yeah and the parts that were just burnt into us as kids
0: and if we've watched all the versions we can watch different we can remember yeah different exactly and remember you just
1: you know just jumble them up and go to Lacuna and get your Memory erased of yeah. specific scenes, so that you of can each quarters. version, yeah, yeah.
0: And then you just watch your own edit that you've put together, exactly. And it's the movie you want. Mm-hmm. There you go. And if Malkovich is inside your head, wait. No, no if you're, you're inside, inside Malkovich Malkovich's head. head, yeah, then you'd make a different version of Blade Runner, and you could talk about that. Where
1: <laughs> over at malkovichminute.net, dot net, dot net for all your being John Malkovich minute by minute podcasting needs.
0: Thank you for listening. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for more Eternal Sunshine. And you can follow all three shows in one feed. Just search An Existential Trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Spotless Minute. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com lemmingdrops. Until next time.
1: This is it, Joel. Oh, God. It's going to be gone soon. Okay, we the resort. I know. What do we do? we we'll are going off. Enjoy Can you hear me? I don't want this anymore, I want to call it